Hey there, language lovers, and welcome to this new episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm Shannon Kennedy, one of your hosts, along with Benny Lewis. And in this episode, our guest is Katie Harris, founder of Joy of Languages, host of Easy Languages Italian, and the creator of the Language Diary Challenge. She's also a past participant of the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. In our chat with Katie, we discuss how to spark joy of learning languages, how to feel calm when recording videos of yourself speaking the language, what to do when novelty wears off in language learning, and tips for journaling in another language. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast or the podcast in general, we appreciate your reviews. They help other language lovers like yourself find the podcast. You can share your thoughts with us at languagehacking.com slash review. And of course, a big thank you to everyone who's recently left us a review. Now, let's get into our interview with Katie Harris. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 33. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, and welcome to this new episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm Shannon Kennedy, and with me today, as always, is Benny Lewis. Hey, hey, hey. In this episode, we're chatting with Katie Harris, founder of Joy of Languages, host of Easy Languages Italian, and creator of the Language Diary Challenge. In our chat with Katie, we're going to discuss a variety of topics, including how she got started with languages. So let's just jump right in. And Katie, will you tell us how you got into language learning? Hi. Um, so. I got into language learning very late in life, but I was in, well, not that late, in my early 20s when I did a year abroad in Italy. And I'd kind of, well, I guess I'd I'd tried to learn languages before then. Um, I'd had an experience, which I think is quite similar to Benny's in that I was terrible at languages at school. Um, And then when I actually came to Italy, I focused on trying to communicate with people and talk to people. I'd had, I'd seen people come back from years abroad who just, just spent the whole time with English speakers and came back not speaking the language. And I was kind of determined not to do that. So even though it was very awkward and difficult at the beginning, I kind of pushed myself to try and talk to people and set myself a rule where I couldn't have any friends who I spoke English with. And then after it being very, very awkward for a few months and me making lots of mistakes, I could eventually have a conversation fairly easily. And then after that, realize that languages are all about connecting with people and chatting with people. And that's what makes them really fun. So it's not about memorizing verb lists at school. It's about kind of going out there and building relationships with people in other languages. So after I'd done that in Italian, I realized it was really fun. And then I wanted to do it in other languages as well. So I tried in French, started in French, and then I became conversational in French this time. Then I, d- I discovered the internet with italki. So I did it by chatting to people and then did the same with Spanish, a little bit of German and a little bit of Chinese. And in this time, you've built your own brand and your own website, The Joy of Languages. And I think um, it's an interesting way of looking at it because for a lot of people, the idea of learning a new language can feel stressful and overwhelming. So what do you say to people to, to help the, help them spark that joy of learning language? So I think there are a few things, uh, a few aspects to it. I think the, the most important one 
for me is my kind of joy in learning languages is connecting with with people and i think that that's the way for a lot of people so traditional methods of learning a language kind of take the joy out of learning a language for me so things like trying to to memorize difficult grammar rules and all of those kind of things so focusing more on communicating with people even if you make mistakes um but it could be different things for different people another thing for me is watching tv i find that more enjoyable for example than um again than trying to memorize loads of grammar rules um it could be you know if you if you're learning japanese and you love anime then that could be um a joyful way to learn a language it's i think you know with languages there are so many different ways that you can learn and most people kind of grow up thinking that oh there's only this one way to learn a language um and it doesn't actually work for most people whereas if you move away from that and you try and do more enjoyable things for example like use music use netflix try and get out there and talk to people communicate with people then it it's a lot more enjoyable and it's also more motivating because obviously if you find ways to learn that you enjoy that's a lot more sustainable because you want to keep coming back to it and doing it regularly whereas if you try and force yourself to do something that you don't like it's going to be very difficult to maintain that effort over the amount of time that it takes to learn a language i know that a lot of learners when they lose that joy or they lose that motivation sometimes you get tunnel vision and it's hard to figure out how to get back on track and to discover those things so what would you say is your best kept secret to finding the joy in language learning uh, i have two things that i find always help me to get out of that that hole um when when it's feeling more difficult and when it's not joyful um the first one is finding somebody to speak to that i enjoy speaking to um so maybe it could be a speaking partner so an, an a language exchange partner um or a tutor so i might go and look for a new tutor for example if i feel like i'm stuck in a rut or maybe go back to an old tutor that i had that i loved and i've kind of gotten out of a routine that's probably the first thing um the second one is i i completely let myself off the hook for studying so i kind of say okay well for a while don't worry about anything that feels like studying at all um and just do things that feel enjoyable and relaxing and that thing is going to change depending on what level you're at of course so if you're at an advanced level that thing could be you know reading a novel if you're just starting out you might not be able to sit down and watch a film but you might be able to do something like take a book designed for a language learner to a coffee shop sit down you know have a nice half an hour reading something that's designed for lower levels or listening to podcasts so there's it's going to be different depending on the level but just something that doesn't feel like studying it feels more like um yeah something that's enjoyable something that you like doing I really love that suggestion because a lot of the time when we look for something that we enjoy doing, we try to think like a specific task. My go-to thing would be I'm going to go play a video game in one of the languages that I'm learning. But one of your suggestions which I think uh, I definitely want to kind of highlight was that you said go to a cafe and read like a book geared towards language learners. So sometimes it's not necessarily doing the actual thing itself in the language, but sometimes doing something you enjoy while doing the language. So I think that that was just I wanted to make sure that we kind of put some emphasis on that because that was a good suggestion. 
Yeah. Recently, I've been really struggling with Chinese. I've been really dragging my feet. So I've been combining it with um, a cocktail. <laughs> so having a cocktail and doing a lesson with a tutor or um, or watching some watching something or reading something, but just doing that to kind of make the whole moment more enjoyable. And one other thing that I like is whenever we see your videos of you showcasing your language skills, you look very calm on camera on camera as you're doing it. And I know with uh, with our own Fluent Three Months Challenge, we try to encourage people to upload their own day zero, day 30, day 60, day 90 videos. And it can be very nerve wracking. So do you have any tips for people to kind of help to, to calm themselves before uh, potentially recording themselves on camera or even just um, putting themselves in front of an, another speaker via Zoom call? Or like how, how do you stay calm? I think the most important thing is lowering your expectations because uh, we often expect so much of ourselves and a lot of the anxiety comes from um, thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to record a video of myself speaking the language and people are going to see me having long pauses and making mistakes and it's going to be terribly embarrassing. Um, whereas if you go into it thinking, I'm a beginner, I'm going to give myself permission to be a beginner, it's okay to make mistakes. Of course, I'm going to make mistakes. You know, I've only been learning for a few weeks or a few months or, you know, even if it's a few years, you're not a native speaker. So you, you might still make mistakes. So just giving yourself permission to be a beginner, to make mistakes. And then that just takes the pressure off. Um, and then kind of a little side to that, I think, is having a good sense of humor as well. So. If you know that you might make a mistake that's funny or, you know, just kind of becoming comfortable with not having to look like you have everything under control all the time because you, you can't when you're learning a language, really. So being able to laugh when things go wrong, if you can do that, then then you can be comfortable because nothing's going to throw you off. You just know that you'll have a laugh about it and then move on. So speaking of videos and your earlier mention of Chinese, you actually took part in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge before it was called the Fluent in Three Months Challenge with us learning Chinese. Could you talk a little bit about your experience doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did. I, I think like a lot of people in the challenge, I focused a lot on speaking. Um, I think that's the good thing about doing the videos because you know you're going to see the videos all the way through. So you've got this. It really helps you to to focus on, you know, I've got the day, day zero of me speaking. I know I'm going to have, I'm going to see a video of myself in 30 days of me speaking again. So I want to try and practice speaking as much as possible to get, to get that up to, um, you know, so that I can see the progress in the videos. Um, so I think that kind of laser focus on speaking, um, has been really, really useful. And then to be able to look at the difference in 90 days when you when you do focus so much on just speaking, which is essentially the reason most people want to learn a language, speak and communicate with people. Um, I think that that's that was really useful. And I think that that's something that I still that's something that I've brought with me that I still do to this day, really, when I think about learning, when, when I come back to learn Chinese, I'm very, very focused on speaking all the time. How have your challenges evolved over the years? Because you've taken on many different kinds of challenges. So how have things changed? I think sometimes they get 
they can get more difficult in a way because the the novelty can wear off a little bit. So you can kind of, you know, at first you've got, um, you've got the peer pressure, you've got, um, you know, that people are going to see, see everything. So it's, so you're very, very motivated. I think over time, um, that can become a little bit more difficult once you get used to everything. Um, and then that's when I think that's when it becomes really, really helpful to lean on doing things that you enjoy. Um, so when the motivation, when, when you start to lose motivation a little bit, um, switching things up and finding something something different to do that you enjoy. And that's definitely the more challenges I do or the longer I learn languages, the more I really find myself doing that because it's, you know, I've been doing this for so long. If you don't find ways that you enjoy, you, you keep coming back to it because you enjoy it essentially. Um, it's difficult to keep up the motivation you know, if you're pushing and pushing and pushing for years and years and years. Sooner or later, you're going to run out of steam. Whereas if you if you enjoy it, then you're going to keep coming back to it and you can keep doing it for years and years because it just becomes a hobby then. A lot of people tend to miss out on that sort of joy and keeping languages as a hobby, as you said, they get burnt out on it. So what would your suggestion be for rediscovering that joy or even returning to it when you are at that stage where you just feel totally burnt out on the language? Community is another thing that I think is really, really important Um, because if you've, and that's one of the reasons why this, this whole online language learning community is so great because you can almost guarantee that however you're feeling about learning a language at that moment, somebody else is feeling like it at exactly the same time. So you can talk to them about it and then you'll feel better and, you know, stop beating yourself up so much and it will be easier to keep going. Or somebody's been through exactly the same thing and they've solved it so they can say, oh, you know, you're getting frustrated by all the words you don't recognize in this thing. I felt like this, this was the technique that I used. So it's, and just having, so both in terms of techniques and also moral support, I think, being connected with the community is is super important. Without that, I think it would be extremely difficult to to keep up, keep going, keep learning new languages. And along the same lines as uh, community, you've actually got this uh, interesting um, process that you created your own hashtag, uh, the Language Diary Challenge, and thousands of people started to upload to Instagram using this hashtag. So you kind of um, Bareheaded your own community, as it were, as it were. So, why did you just decide to create this language diary challenge, and what's the story behind that? Um, so, it's actually um, I've I've passed the torch over to Sam Grigg, who's uh, who's running it at the moment, um, and he's opened a whole new Instagram page for it, which is lovely. So, you can go on there and you can see other people's. Uh, you can see he kind of highlights. The most interesting ones and talks about different themes. And so the reason I decided to start it, I think, was just you know, Instagram is such a useful tool to kind of see what people are doing just in, in the day in their daily lives. It's very easy to just kind of take a photo and write two or three sentences. And so for learning a language to talk about your day, that's that's perfect because you've got you've got some kind of visual um stimulus, which is a bit easier. It's not just like, oh, you know write something from nothing. And and it's also because it's about your day, it's you're talking about your everyday life. So that's it's the idea of it being a diary in a way. Um, because you're you're very likely to to practice using words that will come up in a in a in an everyday conversation with people. 
Um, so Instagram, I think, can be a really useful tool for that, both in terms of reading Instagram accounts in foreign languages, because there'll be lots of people, whether they're teachers or just natives, writing about their day. So you've got lots of lovely everyday language that will be useful in conversation, reading other people's. But then also, for example, in things like the Language Diary Challenge, or even just keeping, if you keep Instagram in, if you write, writing any Instagram posts in, in the language you're learning is, is great because it's all everyday language that will be useful in conversation. I actually, I personally struggle to keep a journaling habit in my own language, let alone in another language, but I definitely see the value in doing it uh, for in both cases. So what would your advice be to someone like me who really wants to start doing something like this, but is struggling to pick up this new habit? Well, so I have to admit there that I am definitely not perfect with this either. <laughs> this is uh, journaling in, in foreign languages, one of those classic things that are really, really good at starting and then not great at maintaining. So I think part, part of that, I think, is definitely personality based. Like there are some people who started the Language Diary Challenge at the beginning and they kept doing it every month for years. And I have so much admiration for people who have that kind of consistency. Whereas if you're, if you're not like that, I think probably the most useful thing to think about is that change. If you need change to keep things new, then it's probably a good idea to try and work with that rather than against it. So you could think about ways that you can change things up. So maybe one week you could um, use writing prompts and then another week um, use a, a different, you know, use one theme for the whole week and take a photo on that theme and then write about that. Or if it's in a journal, um, I think there's lots of um, really interesting, even just for native speakers, writing prompts on online. If you just type into Google writing prompts, there are lots of really interesting ones. So I think you could get lots of ideas um, if you, if you like writing, I think diaries are really, really, really great tools for, for learning a language because it's such great practice for speaking because it's essentially the same thing. It's writing in an informal style with common words. So you can find yeah any kind of prompts online to sh shake things up a little bit, then, then that would be a good idea to get started. Okay. And um, moving on to the, your, your current lifestyle that you're currently living in Italy, what things do you do to take advantage of these surroundings? to help you to continue to advance in your Italian? That, that's an interesting question because I think as, as a native speaker, as a native English speaker, there's like, a, there's a constant battle to not end up in an English bubble all day. Uh, even if you speak the language at quite an advanced level, there's always that, like I've been living in Italy for nearly 10 years now and I still, there's still the pull. If, if I didn't fight against it, I could just end up speaking English all day at home, watching English programs, um, speaking to English, speaking English to people out, outside in Italy, for example, in bars and, and restaurants. Uh, so, so I think the first thing is really um, just making that choice to say, no, I'm not going to end up in the English bubble. And then that being a constant choice that you make several times a day, every day, even after many years. So when if, if I go into a shop or a supermarket and people look at me immediately, they say I'm not Italian and they start speaking in English and, and then just re replying back in Italian, getting into that habit. Um, if I meet friends of friends, they start speaking in English immediately and I'll reply in Italian until the conversation 
moves over to Italian, you know, and, and it can depend a little bit on your level. I remember when, um, when I first started, I remember feeling really awkward because I knew that their English was a lot better than my Italian. So it was that kind of, oh, well, I'm going to force us to speak in Italian, even though the conversation would be easier in English. Um, and I remember feeling embarrassed about it. Um, but one, one thing that can kind of help you overcome that a little bit is to just be really open and honest about it and say, I'm coming back to the idea of just you being the one that says, oh, I'm a beginner so that it's not embarrassing anymore. So you saying, oh, but I want to learn. Can we speak in Italian? That kind of takes a bit of the embarrassment away because you've, you've said you're a beginner. That way you can probably get them on side. They'll want to help you um, to speak the language you're learning as well. Uh, so I think just, just being open and honest with people and saying, I want to learn. Can you help me? Because so many people can feel, you know, embarrassed and like, oh, I don't want to try and speak the language. But if you just the whole time you're trying to do things in the language, putting yourself out there, asking other people if they can help. And eventually it all becomes a habit. Since you've mentioned putting yourself out there and speaking Italian with native Italian speakers, there's something that you have been doing uh, as the host of Easy Languages Italian, where you go out and you interview complete strangers in Italian. You ask them questions. So what has that experience been like for you? How did you get involved and, and how do you overcome any nerves you might feel in asking strangers on the streets to answer these questions in your learned language, I guess? So the nerves thing is really funny because even now, I think we've been doing it for nearly two years. And um, I, we, I make the videos with my partner, Matteo, and neither of us are the type of person that easily goes up to strangers and starts talking. So every time we go out to do videos, there's just the two of us kind of standing in a piazza next to each other going, no, you go, no, you go. <laughs> that person, what did you think they'll say? Yes. <laughs> so that still, that still happens now. I, I still get nervous uh, going up to strangers and asking them. Um, but I guess you could kind of link that back to language learning, um, just feeling really nervous about doing something, but then just trying to do it anyway. And then realizing actually, you know, when we go up and ask people, nobody turns around to me and says like, oh my God, how dare you ask me? That's, yeah. <laughs> that there's not been any kind of horrible or embarrassing moments. Like the worst thing that happens is somebody says no. So that, yeah. So, what, so that was the thing about us feeling nervous and what people say. What, what was the rest of the question again? How did you get involved in doing that and what has the process been like? Uh, so I actually got involved in it because I'd watched it for years and years. So I, I love the, the Easy Languages Network and I watched loads of Easy German um, when I was doing the German challenge um, and just really love the concept because it's all about kind of going out and and chatting to people. And as the... As a student, you, you actually get to see how people speak the language rather than it being like a diluted version in a book, which is so nice because you get those little, um, when people are talking, they use all these little words and little expressions that you never see in books. So I think it's such a good concept. And then, so I watched the German videos a lot. Then I started watching Easy Spanish a lot and I got to know Juan at the time, who was the presenter. And I actually went to, Barcelona and I did a video with Juan in Spanish 
And afterwards we were chatting and we got to talk about Easy Italian. And at the time, Easy Italian was had it had been a bit neglected. So there weren't many, um, there weren't many videos. They didn't have regular presenters basically. So we got in touch with um the guys at Easy Easy Languages and asked them and then started making videos and it just grew from there, basically. Like you were saying before, you've been in Italy for 10 years, so you've got the momentum to be able to get your Italian. Like, like you said, there's a temptation of an English bubble, but you've had this momentum with Italian. But at the same time, you've still been continuing with other languages. So on your website, you say you've dabbled in, in the likes of French, but we've seen you actually interview somebody in French. So how did you get your French to that level of being at because you know you've been talking about your Spanish and your German, but you've been able to actually interview someone in, in a language like French. So how did you reach that level? So I think mostly through focusing on listening and speaking. Um, that's I'd say they're the two because at the end of the day, when you learn a language, what most people want to do is have a conversation. So those are always going to be the most um, important things to focus on. Um, I did, I remember with French, I did get a grammar book and I worked through that at the beginning. Um, but then very quickly from that, I, I moved on to try and use the language in real ways as quickly as possible. So, um, listening, I, I watched so much French TV as soon as I got to the point. It's difficult right at the beginning because it just kind of flies over your head. So you have to get to kind of a, an intermediate level. But as soon as I got to the level where I could roughly figure out what was going on, some of the time, not even most of the time, but half the time, I just watched hours and hours and hours of French TV. Um, that that really, really helped um, get used to the natural way that French people speak. And it was actually quite funny because I, um, I did an exam in French. And um, I, I watched, when I say I watched French TV, I watched lots of reality TV in French. So when I started doing lessons with the teacher who was helping me prepare for the exam, at first she was like, wow, your French is so good. I can't believe you've never lived in French, in France, and you speak French like this. And then once we started preparing for the exam, she was like, your vocabulary is terrible. You, you know, like 10 words. Um, and the reason for that was because of the, I was watching reality TV, which is, um, they're not exactly known for their, their big vocabulary. So. I think that's interesting because it kind of shows that you you learn what you do, if that makes sense. So learning by doing. Um, and then, so that was it really basic. So learning the basics, watching, listening, lots and lots and lots, listening out for hours and hours and hours and practicing speaking as much as possible. So I um, spoke on italki, did lots and lots of lessons on italki. I tried to go to France a couple of times. And when I did, I was quite insistent. Again, they spoke English better than I spoke French, but I, I asked people to help and tried to insist as much as I could that we practiced in French. And then in the end, it kind of all came together. And it's not just French that you've studied. You mentioned earlier some of the other languages that you've worked on, including German and Spanish and Chinese. So what would your advice be to someone who's interested in learning multiple languages and maintaining them? For me, I think the when you talk about multiple languages, I think the the most important thing for me has been to make sure that I get past the level where you have to do things that feel like studying before I move to another one. 
for example, with French, I waited until I got to the point where I could continue learning or maintain the level I was at by doing things like reading books, watching TV, speaking to people. So I didn't feel like I had to study it anymore. Of course, I, you know, there's always things to learn and I could go back and if, if I wanted to improve a lot more, I probably would have to study, but I could maintain a conversational level. And then the same with, with Spanish. So I'd start doing things that feel a bit more like studying. So looking at grammar books, memorizing useful words. Um, but then once I'd got to the point where I could maintain the level of Spanish by doing fun things, um, then I'd move on to another language. Cause I, I feel like it's, I, I don't have the motivation to learn two languages when, when it feels, you know, that stage where it's, it feels so hard, like you're trying to speak, but the words don't come out. You, you can't have a conversation doesn't feel relaxed yet. And everything, all of the words fly over your head. If you try and listen to a film or something. Um, and most of what you're doing is kind of studying from books. I, I wouldn't have the motivation to do that in two languages. I think I would just find it very, very frustrating. Yeah, I'm the same. Whenever someone asks about learning multiple languages, I always say that um, until I've reached that B2 level myself, the like genuine beginnings of fluency, there's, there's too much of a spillover for my other languages. I can't really separate them in my mind. I, I definitely agree with there that. There are some people, of course, who, who can learn multiple languages uh, at beginner level at the same time. But like yourself, I, I don't have that motivation. I only have energy for one language as a beginner at a time. And that's, that's how you get to multiple languages at high level. So um, I'm curious to hear with all these projects you have, what, what's in your future? What do you plan for the next year or so with your language learning experiences and with um, Joy of Languages, what, what's, what's coming up for you? So we're currently focusing a lot on Italian. Um, and we've got, um, so I'm mostly focusing, it, it's interesting because I'm, over the last couple of years, I've, I've been making the transition more from, I guess, less from talking about the languages that I'm learning and more from, more to helping other people learn that particular language. And at, at the moment, I'm very focused on Italian. So kind of taking, basically just looking at how I learned Italian and, and what worked for me and what I think can work for other people. So um, enjoyable stories, uh, simple grammar explanations, opportunities to practice speaking and connect with the community. So I'm um, building an Italian course that helps people to do that and I'd eventually like to do that for other languages as well. And of course, one of the questions that we like to ask all of the guests who come on the podcast, given that it is the language hacking podcast, is what is language hacking to you? Oh, good question. I think language hacking is looking at what works for you and doing more of that. So because everybody's everybody's different with learning a language. Um, you know, some people, I, I personally find that the way that languages are taught at school didn't work for me at all. Um, so for me, language hacking is just abandoning that method, the method of kind of studying a language and, and trying to use it instead. Um, for somebody else, I know people who 
just like to devour a grammar book first and then go off and try and speak it and use it. So it, I think it really depends on the person, but it's all about finding what works for you and then trying to do more of that and then finding out what doesn't work for you and doing less of it. Even if somebody, somebody else tells you that that's perfect and that's the only way that works, um, we're all different. So you have to find out the best thing for you and the thing that keeps you coming back as well, the thing that you can sustain and do over a long period of time. Yeah, that's an excellent answer, I would say. And I agree. It's the, it's the only way. It's an, uh, an evolution that you continue to improve your learning method by finding more things that work for you and more things that don't. Oh, that was uh, very interesting. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll make sure that um, people can check out your website and all your social media through our show notes. And uh, the link will be in the description with the podcast. And otherwise, um, thanks so much for joining us. And we will wish everybody a very happy language learning. Happy language learning. Thanks for having me. Bye. So at the end of every episode, Benny and I like to discuss a takeaway that we got out of the chat that we had with our guest. And these are things that you can do immediately to apply to your learning so that you get something actionable out of each episode. So for me, the one thing that stood out to me from what Katie said was that the joy in language learning sometimes isn't just the activity itself. It might be something that you pair with the activity, which is actually new for me. I think that when I try and find joy in languages, it's doing that thing itself in the language. So for example, as she mentioned, reading a novel or maybe watching martial arts instruction videos on YouTube or playing a video game in the language. And for me, this is often something that I've reserved until a little bit later in the language because you need to obviously be a certain level in the language to do those sorts of things. So when I've experienced burnout or maybe lost the joy in a more beginning language, I've kind of been stuck as to what to do. But her idea of perhaps pairing a cocktail or going to a cafe, doing something that you like while doing the language, not necessarily in the language, but just doing those two things side by side was a suggestion that really resonated with me. What about you, Benny? Yeah, I really like that suggestion as well. And one thing that... Uh for me personally, really stood out is something she said about um, the language diary and using Instagram. And I've gotten into this trap myself with, I want to use Instagram. I have other accounts for other languages and I want to start posting to those. But I, I fall into, I'm usually not so bad with perfectionism, but I fall into that trap and I start to think, oh, it needs to be the perfect image. I need to write an amazing caption. And she said that when, whenever she thinks of posting a diary to Instagram, it's just taking a picture of what you're doing and writing a couple of quick sentences. And it really is that simple. And there's a, a great community on Instagram of language learners. And I know a lot of people listening may have the same problem I have of overthinking it and not posting because they want it to be the perfect post. But try to think of it more like a diary challenge that you're just taking a picture of something and putting a quick description up, and that will get you into the momentum of things. You do not need to have, you know, do research to find the perfect filters and find out exactly which hashtags to use. You can just use it as a tool to take a quick picture and share a quick story, and that will help to motivate you as you see the language learning community online and join with them. That's, that would be my bigger takeaways from our chat. 
Just to add to that too, if you're really nervous about the post being perfect or about mistakes you might make, you can always share it to your Instagram stories, still using the hashtag as opposed to sharing it to your actual feed. So that way it's only there 24 hours. If there are mistakes, they're not permanent. No one's going to see them forever. And so that could be something that you can do to, to kind of remove some of that stress you might be feeling about sharing those posts. Thank you for sharing that, Benny. And of course, to those of you listening, if you put any of these takeaways into practice, or if you'd like to share your thoughts on the episode with us, you can do that at languagehacking.com. You'll find the link for this episode in the description box. And again, if you've enjoyed this episode, we appreciate your reviews and you can leave them for us at languagehacking.com slash review. And until the next time, happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.